Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halix. And this week, we've just been, we've spent about half an hour chatting before we've started to record our show for you today to explore what's been going on in our lives of late and what is there to dig into and, and share with you while we are... Um, while we're connected like we are right now. And we've actually landed on something that you might not expect. We're going to talk about silence. <laughs> sort of a contradiction. A little bit of a contradiction. Yeah. Um, so the idea of silence and what springs to my mind immediately in the context that this was popping up in my mind is where do we notice silence? Where do we notice it in others? Where do we notice it in media? Where do we notice it in our society around us? Um, where do we notice it in ourselves? And what is that about? What is, you know, if I, now that I've just yeah. said silence. Is, it, is it comfortable? Like, is it comfortable or uncomfortable, right? Because we talk about in, in relationship, we talk about comfortable silence, right? And it says something about your relationship. If you can be comfortably in silence together. Right. But then we also talk about uncomfortable silences, right? Yes. Where uh, nobody knows what to say and people feel like crawling out of their own skins and that kind of thing. So it can be both ways. What's the most awkward silence that you can think of that you've uh, that comes to your mind? What was that situation? <laughs> it was when I had be, it was in the in the organizational world, and I had been told that somebody was going to be uh, let go, i.e., out of work, mm. and uh, they were so. I, but then they never followed up with me. So then I heard that the person was leaving and I said something to their second in command that, that had to do with the person being let go. And then I realized that they hadn't let the person go. They had, they'd offered them a retirement package. Mm. They never, nobody ever told me about it. Mm. And there was this, this awful, silence after I said whatever it was that I'd said, where I realized that what was going on was not what I thought was going on. Right. And I, and I, it was like open mouth, insert foot. And I couldn't figure out how to get my foot back out of my mouth again. So I'm hopping up and down on one foot, trying to get the other foot out of my mouth. And, and the feeling of, of disquiet and, and awkwardness and, um, that sinking feeling of oh my god, what have I, what have I opened up here? And can I, you know, what, like, because I was, and and I had no idea because, and I was never supposed to know in the first place. So I was told right. something I wasn't supposed to know, and then nobody followed up with me to tell me that they changed their plan. Right. Oh my goodness. Wow. 
But I think that that's an, an aspect of awkward silence when you don't know what to do with it. There's something going on that hasn't been named mm. or, or that nobody knows to name yet. It's a, it's a, um, it's a contradiction in expectations. Whatever it was that we expected is not what's happening. Um, or, and we don't, we don't know where to go with it. Yeah. It, it's um, unexpected or, or we don't feel like we have the resources for it. Right. And we literally don't know what to say. Well, yeah. we don't know how to say it even. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking of like stunned silence, yeah. which is when we suddenly encounter something that's just so out of what we were expecting. Yeah. That the silence is a silence of, of processing. Where words and, are not going to cut. And first it. of all, shock, right? And then processing. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, the shock is when it's just everything stops. And oh my God, what's going on here? Trying, yeah. yeah, you're trying to process. And sometimes it's positive. Sometimes it's yeah. like, I had a positive one today where I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was brought to the point of speechlessness when I, but it was a happy occasion where I've, I've lived with a stove that only has two burners at work for the last six years. <laughs> and, and my washing machine broke the other day, like gave up the ghost. It was done, but this thing's almost 50 years old. Like it's a beast. It's been around forever. And today I, I knew that my landlady was trying to bring in a new washing machine for me, which was going to be amazing. But she brought a new stove, a new washing machine, and a new range hood. And I had a new, not just new to me, but new. And I was completely stunned. Because I wasn't, again, you were saying expectations. That was not what I was expecting. It was incredibly generous. So in that, in that space of, of silence, of, oh my God. <laughs> is the, how, how do I feel about this? How does this fit with my understanding of how things work? What are the consequences of this, this new happening that's going to happen? Um, what does my response need to be? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's, what, what comes to my mind is that it isn't that nothing's happening. It's that nothing's being said. Yes, yes. We, we think of silence as being no sound. And therefore, nothing going on. But it doesn't mean that because there's no sound that there's nothing going on. Absolutely. There's a whole bunch of processing happening there. In, in, that, in that space, what seems like a, an auditory space. Yeah. Exactly. And that space is very interesting. So this now I'm thinking of all of the accounts that there are of when there's going to be an earthquake. Uh, when a tsunami is on its way, uh, and other other such imminently cataclysmic things, and how we've we've all heard the stories of how birds go silent, and it's like this this really odd quiet. It's the calm before the storm. Yeah, and that that silence is is where there's, there's a knowing from 
something that's been making noise and knowing that something is happening, something is changing. And it's almost like they have to shut up so that they can catch the cues so that they can be ready to respond. And it's in the pause where their ability to best respond comes from. Yeah. It's a, a almost a preparation time. Yeah. But a prep, not a preparation of doing. It's a, a it's just it's, anticipating. It's a gathering oneself. It's a it's a readiness. Mm -hmm. Getting into and the it readiness. It reminds me of uh, of when it, and the orchestra is just about to start to play. Right. And and the the yeah, conductor the holds up the baton, and and everything is silent. And you hear the occasional cough from the audience, yeah. but everything <laughs> is silent. And then it all starts. Right. Exactly. So it's interesting that we're talking about this now when, when Canada and the U.S. right now and perhaps other areas of the world, but we can speak to that because it's what we have most familiarity with, we're, we're entering, a, 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 I think we might be about to have our own little space of silence here where we're all not sure what's going to happen next, where it's a little different. Then when the, the pandemic was first, first hitting and we all shut down, there was a big push of everybody just shut down. And there was, there was a quietness that descended all of a sudden, but there was a, there was a, a doingness about that. Like there was an active uh, a ceasing of action of like, go home, look, shut your doors, um, be, be small and, and don't spread this, you know, like get out of the way the virus is trying to don't let yourself be one of the ways that you can transmit it. But we've had many months now to kind of process that, develop new strategies, etc. The government stepped in pretty, Five months. Five yeah, plus pretty months. quickly. It's crazy how long it's been. Um, the government stepped in in Canada with CERB payments for those who were eligible, which was a lot of people. Still, there were some people who, who were in the gaps for that. Um, in the States, they had uh, a bit of uh, additional money available through their EI, unemployment supports. I don't know if it's called EI over there. And we are, both countries now, we're like, it's stopping. It's stopping now. Like the last ones have pretty much gone out. And we don't know what's going to happen next. And we know that there's a lot fewer jobs. We know that there's a lot more uh, desperation in a lot of ways. And a lot of resources are rather tapped out. So what happens next? There's a bit of silence and a bit of breath holding, I think, of waiting for the other shoe to drop. What is this going to look like? But in that place, in that place of silence, how do you cope with that, Luca? When, when you've got that kind of a pause, how do you well, know what to do with yourself? Yeah, this is really interesting because I, I did a session this afternoon um, where I was um, it, it, I was I was hypnotized sort of it was like a hypnotherapy session but it wasn't it wasn't it was that's just the way in which I can be held and witnessed as I go inside and see what it is that I know and the first part of the session was me in a in a tube. It was like I was in a plexiglass tube and I was just being inside this tube. And there were very slowly 
a few different places where this tube sort of landed. Uh, but there was nothing going on outside. It wasn't about what was going on outside the tube. It was about me inside the tube. And I was just kind of sitting there with nothing happening. And, and it was, uh, you know, the, the person who was leading me through this kept saying to me, and so what's happening now? And because there was really nothing happening. And eventually I said to her, well, it's sort of like what's happening in my life right now. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm, I'm just, I'm sitting there. It's, it's, I can't judge anything by what's going on outside. I mean, right now we know there are things going on in the world. There's, you know, catastrophe in Beirut. Um, there's, there's uh, the pandemic numbers going up in the United States. There's all kinds of things like that going on, but they're not things that I can affect. Right. Um, so, so I'm, I'm sitting here in my space um, doing my thing, which I, it is not, it's not feeling like it's, there's an impact from what I'm doing right now. It doesn't, I mean, it may, there may be on an energy level, but I, I'm not seeing it. I, I can't feel it right now. So, so I'm just, I'm just kind of sitting there and that's it's it's reminiscent of this silence that we're talking about that, that there's this space that you just sit in and the tendency I think is for for me to go into I've got to do something I need to feel like I have some kind of agency in the world and you mentioned a little while ago about busy work right do we do we when we're when we're sitting in this silent place where nothing seems to be happening does it scare us do we, do we then feel like we have to be doing something so we've got to find something to do, but then the something doesn't necessarily move anything. Mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, we're, a sense, in a sense, it's busy work, right? We're, we're, we're doing something in order to be doing something so that we can feel like we're not just sitting here twiddling our thumbs because it, it reminds me of dead air on the radio. I mean, we have, we have a sign up in the radio station that says it's been this number of days since dead air because dead air is, is the, the thing that we're not supposed to have in, in the radio world, right? We've and got think, one job, and that is to make some noise. <laughs> yes, and, and so silence is not, is not a good thing. We, on radio, if you have silence, it makes the listener afraid that maybe there's nothing going on and, and they've lost their signal, right? So we, we have to keep filling, filling the air. And I think we have that sense in life, too, that we have, to keep, we have to keep doing. We have to keep filling things because if, if it looks like there's nothing going on, then in some way we're being irresponsible. Mm -hmm. We're, we're not, we're not taking, um, we're not empowering ourselves in our lives. But we're in this space right now with this virus where there aren't, for many of us, there aren't that many things that we can be doing that, that um, seem to make any difference. Mm -hmm. So, so that leaves us falling back on being which is something we talk about a lot when we're coaching people that, that not, not everything in their lives um, is about doing um, that. Sometimes we have to fall back into that place of being so that we can find our roots, our foundation, our, 
our what we're, what we stand on in order to propel ourselves into that if we we move too quickly into action or we don't have enough reflection we're not coming from that stable place that 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 place of uh, that uh, that in place that comes out of who we are and has has real meaning to us and is going to make a difference for us in some way. And, and so we've had five months now or six months of being able, of, of, having to, of having to sit here in that who am I, what am I really doing here place, right? Mm -hmm. there's, I think there's a lot of introspection going on in this quasi-silence. Um, it's also interesting that we wanted to support frontline workers every, I don't know if this has been happening everywhere, but a lot of places in the world, we bang pots and pans and cowbells and, and all of that at seven o'clock in the evening. Now in my neighborhood, that stopped now, mm -hmm. but it, what we were making all this noise in the silence to, to support these folks and, and let right. them know that we appreciated what they were doing. But, uh, but I think, you know, other than that, things have been, quiet and many people have said it's been peaceful aside from the fact that everybody's worried about you know how they're going to be able to make their way in the world financially but it's right. been there's been a level of peace to it and I think that's the two sides there's the peaceful side and then there's the side of worry about am I doing enough mm -hmm. am I being responsible am I taking care of myself and my family and and um, the people who depend on me mm -hmm. That's a long answer to your question. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I think we're afraid of not doing enough, not being enough, not, to, not having enough, not, um, not being prepared enough mm -hmm. for what might be coming. But right now, we have no idea what might be coming. I don't think anybody has any idea about what might be coming. So we're in this globally, we're in this not knowing place and everybody's reacting differently. Mm -hmm. So some people are going back to life as usual and, and, and some people are still isolating and some people are going out, but with masks on and we're all like doing different things. I read an article the other day that was about something called the roots of safety that was fascinating to me. And it was, it was uh, an exploration um, that takes things you, most people will have heard of the love languages. And it was an I, this idea of the roots of safety is taking the concept of everybody has a love language, a way in which they show how they love people. These are the kinds of actions or words or, or whatever they do to show that they love somebody. We also have a love language in terms of how we receive love. What are the ways in which, what are the things that make us feel loved? Is it certain kind of words, certain kind of actions, certain kind of whatever. So that's been a concept that's been around for quite a while. The roots of safety one is a slightly different one, but it is it's relating, I think it's relating to what you were just saying. And I think maybe taking a minute to maybe refer to it could be helpful. So if you want to find uh, this article, it's called Move Over Love Languages, Do You Know Your Root of Safety? And it's at a website called healthline.com. That's where I found this. Um, 
so when it's talking about the different routes of safety, the concept here is what do we do if we feel unsafe, uncertain, insecure? What uh, situation or environment do we need for ourselves to sort of rebalance, reorient, refill? Um, what kind of engagement or activity might we need? And so it's broken it down into three different uh, varieties of, of ways of responding. One is um, that we, we depend on our internal capacity, our ability to feel safer through things that we create for ourselves or things that we do for ourselves. Another way that we might respond is by depending on others and the, certain interactions with others activate um, parts of the brain that require social satisfaction to feel safe. I'm paraphrasing right from the article right now. These aren't my mm -hmm. words. And another one is about uh, engaging in what you can control externally from you, uh, creating predictability and a sense of security through exercising choice. So those are three different ways in which we will tend to respond to if we're feeling threatened, if we're feeling distressed, to feel safe. So going into a little bit more detail, um, I'll just read through these because, Luca, you'll probably identify which ones apply to you. I know I was as I was reading through these for myself. So first focusing on the ones that sort of focus on you doing things for yourself. The first route of safety is called inner guidance. And this is when you use, use things like self-reflective tools like journaling and meditation, uh, engaging in a spiritual practice, in listening to your own intuition. We're both nodding because both of us do yeah, this. That's where I go. That's right? my number one place. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's very internally sourced, right? Mm -hmm. uh, another one that's uh, in the same realm is sensory experiences, but where you're engaging your senses, doing things like lighting a candle, using a weighted blanket, basking in the sunlight or in nature, uh, could be ringing a gong. Um, things like this that you, I know that this one also applies to me. I tend to go to a specific physical location that really feeds me. So it's being in nature and I need that kind of physical experience. Um, another one is, is related is uh, another route of safety is called private retreat. So where you really need uh, alone time, uh, you might make art, you might watch a movie alone under a blanket, you may daydream, you may read, and it's often common that you'll need like a protected space. You need to be able to lock your door, you need to be able to make sure that nobody's going to interrupt you. So that's all, those are three options that we might engage with that are focused on the inward. So for me, what, what gets interesting is then learning about the social one, because these are not me. And this is where I have a lot to learn from. So here's the one, what it looks like if you're looking for a socially sourced uh, roots of safety. So the first one's called quality relationships. So where you have your needs met by another person, where you're experiencing repair after conflict, you'll be able to have that like, conversations to talk things through, mediation, whatever, intimate touch, and uh, how, experiencing caring relationships. And this can even include from your pets. So you have that need for that connection and to receive these things from another human being that you trust in order to feel safe. Uh, another one is closeness and proximity. So the need to give or receive a hug. Um, maybe you need to be by yourself, but you want to know that someone's available within easy reach. Uh, you might want to do activities that you enjoy with another person. And this one is also having friends who reach out to you first. So not that you have to reach out to somebody, but that someone's checking in on you. And that's, that helps to feel safe, that someone else is taking the initiative reaching out to you, hugging you, spending time with you, being available for you if you need it. 
Um, another one is common humanity, which is defined as being heard and seen, knowing that you aren't being judged, laughing with others, having hard emotions validated, having your boundaries respected. This sounds to me a lot like of when people need, need a, a verbal place to process. And then someone who's listening is like, yeah, that's completely, I get that. It makes sense. You have validation of the emotions, of the process, et cetera. But you're not just writing it down in a journal, which would be my way of doing it. You're doing it in an active conversation with another person whose opinion you trust and esteem and respect. And if you don't get to have that conversation and process that with another person you love and respect, then it doesn't feel safe. You're not entirely sure perhaps of your own place in whatever it is that you're that you're going through and then if you're doing if you like to do action-oriented stuff to feel safe these two options are protective measures so you uh, need someone to defend you or you need to defend yourself uh, you need to experience being physically pr protected uh, being self-sufficient accessing justice after harm this is this is interesting because it's sort of it seems social but it's it's about that physical safety so i think this probably relates a lot to people who experienced a trauma where they were physically unsafe where their boundaries were violated before and so they now have that it's very important in order to feel safe to know that there is a buffer there is a barrier there's either someone there's going to stand up for you or you've got a physically protective method of taking care of yourself um, and engaging in justice work. And then the last one is structure and certainty, which is about having a consistent routine, having agency or a sense of mastery in one's life, having financial security, developing a solution to a problem, making a schedule or plan to follow and predictability. Uh, I can relate a bit with that one in the sense that after I've kind of done my first, first few go-tos, that's where I will tend to go is I'll make my plan. And it, it is a sense of controlling what is possible to control outside of me, um, taking a sense of taking responsibility for the things that are within my domain, you could say. And, um, and, I, and I've known lots of people where it's like they'll just dig in to like clean in the house or dig into the things that aren't, you know, it's, it's an external focus. They can arrange that part of their life even if other parts are in chaos. Yeah, even scheduling. Like it, yeah. because that's a calendar version of what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So I think I'm feeling like these roots of safety are things that, that we might, we might dig into when we're experiencing one of these uncomfortable silences, whether it's a silence in society, a silence that's been brought about because of a, of a, of a conflict in a relationship or a, a shock or unexpected a mismatch of expectations. So where, which one of these do we choose? I, th I think it's really fascinating to have, I had a very fruitful conversation with my partner about this to just read through these, to understand it, self-identify. Oh, I can see myself in these. And then to listen to where your partner is uh, self-identifying. Cause I hadn't even clued in to some of the ones that were his methods, right? It's really it's appreciating where somebody else might be coming from that is different than the way you approach things. Exactly. And, so, and also, you know, and, and, and can be so helpful for understanding, especially within a relationship um, or a friendship. If one person is needing to access, say the socially sourced one, and then the other person's needing to do the internally sourced one, those are at odds. Mm -hmm. 
And that means one person's safety looks like another person's unsafety. And what does that work look like? And how do we navigate that? But I think a first step is definitely having an awareness that both parties are trying to seek a sense of safety. And that plays out in society as well. So, so for, for some people, um, when they going through this virus, they want to stay at home, right? They, they want to, they want to isolate. And for other people, it feels unsafe to do that. And they, and they want to go out and reestablish connection and see how other people are dealing with things. And, and they, their safety comes from community. Yeah. Which is, I mean, they, community may play into both of them, but differently. Yeah, that's a really good point. It helps to um, give another framing for the persistency, which for me, being an internally focused person, I look outside and I see people who are insisting on gathering in, say, church groups or, or, or other kinds of support groups. And I think, what are they doing? Why would they even want to do this? putting themselves at so much risk? But it does make sense if you look at it through this lens. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, we are complicated and fascinating, aren't we? We are. And I'm thinking it's time for a song. It is time for a song. And so we've chosen, of course, a couple of silent theme songs. Uh, and one of the go-to ones, I mean, who is not going to think of the sound of silence? But I decided that instead of playing the Simon and Garfunkel version, which is pretty well known the world over, that we'd go with the Pentatonics version. So let's take a listen to The Sound of Silence by Pentatonics. We'll meditate on that and we will be back with you in just a few minutes. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains Within the sound of silence in restless dreams I walked alone Narrow streets of cobblestone Neath the halo of a street lamp I turned my collar to the cold and damp When my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light That split the The sound of silence And in the naked light I saw Ten thousand people, maybe more People talking without speaking People hearing without listening People writing Silence of silence of silence of silence. 
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to Pentatonics and the Sound of Silence. Um, I don't, I don't know how I missed listening to that version. I know that it was making the rounds a couple of years ago, but I hadn't listened to that thoroughly. Um, the the lyrics when they say uh, the words of the prophet are written on the subway walls and tenement halls subway halls and tenement walls uh, I just suddenly flashed I I was walking in the downtown east side of Vancouver the other day and um, that's that's one of the most uh, hurting parts of our city where the wounds of our society as a whole are right at the surface we can't say that it's just specific to that location it's just where we can see it all very clearly and as I was walking, there was some graffiti on the side of one of those buildings walls. And it said, can someone help me find my brain? Oh, wow. I really wanted to stop and take a picture of it, but I felt like that might not, but it didn't feel quite right. But I saw it and it landed and it stuck with me. Uh, and in the lights of the, the lyrics of that song, it definitely stands out to me. If we were to look, the the voices of those without power are silenced yes. by the voices of those who have power, who can speak loudly, who have privilege, who have access to money and media and influence and doors open for them. And the voices of those lacking in those things are not heard, but it does not mean that they are actually silent. To be silenced is not the same as being silent. Yeah, and I was also thinking about when, when you go out into nature and in, in your special spot that you like to go to, mm -hmm. it is silent there, i.e. people aren't talking. Right. But that silence isn't silent. It's very active. Yeah. But it's, it's a disengagement from the people buzz, and it's a... Uh, deliberate choosing of the harmony and the symbiosis of of what I of what we all came from nature where we were in alignment with nature rather than in opposition to it and it's a, pl a chance to sit and remember remember in the sense of remember uh, pull the parts of me back together and put them back together again yeah, I was I was thinking also about when I w went through counseling training um, that one of the the foundational principles that we're taught is that a lot happens in the silence. Mm -hmm. That that our clients need um, time and space to absorb, to react, to yeah. find something. And that we, because one of the things that all counselors at the very beginning of their um, professional um, development, uh, we, we struggle with allowing the client to be in silence. Yeah. And, it, and, and we all come to realize how valuable that silence is. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I, uh, we both know somebody who who doesn't speak until she's got something ready to say. And a lot of people are a little uncomfortable with that because they think that if it's silent, there's nothing happening. But it's very clear if you spend any time at all around this person that that she's she's figuring out what she's going to say and then she says it. She, so her she doesn't there's not a lot of ums in there or she's she's um collecting she's collecting herself she's collecting her thoughts she's uh before before she says something mm -hmm. it's that it's like that um place that animals go into before they spring they're they're they get very still and then they pounce right it's a it's that sort of the drawing in and collecting up and preparation it's the winding of a spring yeah the winding up of a spring could be silent the release yeah. of the spring is right? <laughs> the energy releases yeah. <laughs> we're all remembering like childhood toys now i think <laughs> yes yes yeah. yeah but i i i am so aware as we're talking about all of this that silence is valuable that that um that space and downtime and the absence of things when we say absence makes the heart grow fonder we have all kinds of sayings about this mm -hmm. that, that that we need that we need a pause mm -hmm. um, and i think that in in our what i often see is our very frenetic world that really runs 24 hours a day now we don't we don't have i mean as as we're not so um, oriented around the needs and precepts of Christianity. We don't have Sundays off anymore or, you know, in any, uh, whatever the day off would have been in any different faith in the world. We, you know, in the interests of being fair to everybody, we almost have this, this um, world where there's something going on all the time. Um, we don't have the, the light equivalent of silence, i.e., we don't have just darkness anymore. We've got street lights and there's lights on all the time. Um, so we're not, we're, we're skipping the pause. Right. And I think that if you're running away from something, it's, it's really easy to just keep running. And, and, and so this virus is forcing us to have a pause. Yeah. And, I'm, and it makes me very curious about what we're getting out of it. Right. What what will this mean? Um, are we are we incubating something? Are we learning something? Are we reviewing? But what is it? I'm I'm curious about that. What is it that's happening in this silence that we have? Yeah. Because I think it's valuable. Mm -hmm. I I think we needed. As a global society, that we need to regroup at the moment, and maybe even pay attention to some of those voices that we've silenced, and see how they were communicating to us in in a way that wasn't necessarily verbal. Yeah, like graffiti on the walls. Mm -hmm. Silent. Relating to that, I, I would like to take a moment because uh, I feel like this. This connects in very well and it's important 
uh, something we do every every week that we do a show is to take some time to acknowledge that we are living on, working on, broadcasting from the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Coquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, and the Squash. Uh, Wait, 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 our I'm brains like discarded. looking at the map in my mind. I'm like, yeah. which which area yeah. did I forget? Yeah. Um, and we talk about this every week for a reason. Because if we don't talk about it, that's a silence. And we talk about something about that's important. It's important. It's important because. It's something that enables you and me, Luca, to, yeah. to be and do what we are being and doing in the world. We're on this land. Uh, the story of how we came to be on this land reaches back centuries, reaches back into our forefathers, maybe not our direct ones, but they're connected somehow. And we are still benefiting from those actions and those decisions, which were the opposite of beneficial for the people of this land. And those consequences for them are still being felt. And the act of reconciliation will never progress if we don't stop to remember that we're on stolen land. It was never agreed to. And the impacts of that, the ripples that that sends through our society. Because there was a long silence there. But it wasn't because First Nations folk were not speaking. It was because we would not listen. And we and actively silenced them. Yeah, that. We actively. Yeah, the, part of it was the way in which, not, I mean, not only that we took it, but how we took it. and. And that behavior reflects back on us. It's like it boomerangs back onto us because it was not honorable. It was not, it, it, it was to our detriment also. Yeah. In ways that we um, weren't looking at at that time. Right. Yeah. I want to play our second song because it's a, it turns things a bit on its side. It's uh, Bjork. It's also oh quiet. Uh, anything involved with Bjork is going to turn things on its side. So she's one of my favorite artists. She's just so bold and brash and out there. Um, let's take a listen to this and let's listen through it through the lens of how we even have a definition for quiet or silence. It's only in contrast to noise and what's Pardon me, what's going on on both sides of that? So here we go. Bjork, it's oh so quiet. It's oh so quiet. Shh, shh, it's oh so still. Shh, shh, you're all alone. so peaceful until you fall in love simple the sky up above simple is caving in 
cry, you wanna laugh, you wanna cry, you cross your heart and hope to die. Till it's over and then shh, shh, it's nice and quiet. Shh, shh, but soon again, shh, shh, start another big riot. You blow up. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to Bjork's It's Oh So Quiet. <laughs> that was it was also Oh So Loud. We had lots of contrast in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, where we need to go next is the contrast. Um, yeah. Because yeah. there are some people who live very quiet lives. And I know there's one person who comes to my mind right away where their quiet life is a direct uh, has a direct correlation to the chaos of their childhood, and so as an adult, they have for their again related to the roots of safety. They have planned out everything. They actually said to me, "If I want, I want to know what I will, what every day is going to look like for the rest of my life. I want that." To me, that seems absolutely boring and stifling. I would never want that. But who, who am I to judge that someone else, for someone else, that's, that's stability, that's health, that's um, safety and security. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I need quiet. I, 
that and if I'm trying to concentrate, I turn all the noise off. If I'm trying to par parallel park the car, I turn the radio off <laughs> because I can concentrate better when it's quiet. Mm -hmm. And I know, I think I know, but it's different. It's different for you. You you put sound around yourself. Yeah, but it has, be, it has to be certain kinds of sound, and it's it's more yeah. about having a kind of an ADD brain where it's always processing or or taking in so much information that I actually quiet part of my brain by giving it something to chew on that's yeah. like low key. So yeah. I'll put on something quietly melodic in the background and then I'm able to focus my creative brain brain in writing or doing or thinking or fixing or something like that, whether it's you know something at the computer or something around the house or, or what have you. So for all our listeners out there, I would say to you, what role does silence play in your life? Mm -hmm. What um where where is it helpful? Where is it missing? Mm -hmm. um, where is it present more than you would like it to be? Right. Uh, on what fronts is there too much silence and on what fronts in your life is there not enough? Mm -hmm. And what kind of silence do you like and what kinds of silence do you not like? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and do you need to uh, build silence into your life in some way? Could you benefit from more of it or less of it? or a different kind of silence is silence better if you control it or if it is is it just shows up um i i know that i sometimes i'm awake when the dawn birds start singing mm -hmm. but there's a quiet right before they start singing mm -hmm. and then it gets all noisy and then the and then after that the world wakes up right, right. but there's that that quiet just before dawn and i was thinking one day about when when the airplane arrives at where you're going and it and it taxis up to the gate and then they turn the engines off right yes and just before everybody starts and you can hear all the the um the seat belts <laughs> clicking right <laughs> all they all unbuckling every but it's quiet enough in the plane that you can hear that mm -hmm. that and then all the noise starts of everybody disembarking. But, but at, first of all, there's this, because you've been up there with, with jet engines going the whole flight, right? And then all of a sudden it all goes quiet. It all goes off. Mm -hmm. There's that, that contrast. There's that sort of coming down. It's, the, it's like the exhalation. The, the breath, where we can hear our own breath and hear the breath of the planet. Mm -hmm. um, it's the letting go and the creation of space. Mm -hmm. you, you hinted at this before. I think we may have in, in a little bit earlier in, um, in our conversation today that it's in the silence that w when we lay things down, we rest. Uh, it's where there is now space for something else to show up or where there is now space for us to hear a voice that we have not been able to hear before because we were just too busy or too loud ourselves. And, and it can be an external voice or an internal voice yep. that we haven't, we haven't made space to hear. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so the silence is the window of space for possibility. Yeah. Poss and possibility of we know not what. <laughs> I just thought it'd be fun to spell possibility as P-A-U-S-E. Possibility. Yes, possibility. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. The pause that the possibility. Place on words. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I've been thinking about that, being, being intentional about movement and about silence and about um, working and laying down work. Because it's very easy when you're at home all the time to either work all the time or n not accomplish things, right? It's, so th then, you know, when, when we're talking about the, the intentionality of creating schedules and the, sometimes that creates safety, uh, but but it's like what are we putting in our into our schedules? Mm -hmm. I was I was thinking about children having um, kindergarten kids, and I think all kids could do with this. But kindergarten kids, we give it to them. And preschool, we say, okay, we're, we're going to have quiet time now. It's, it might be nap time for some kids. For some kids, it may just be quiet time. Mm -hmm. um, and and they they settle down into it. And there's a it's peace. It's, there's a peacefulness about it, mm -hmm. um, and I and I think sometimes that executives need this, right? They they need to close the door on their office and and you know lie down on their couch or their you know I I have actually talked to people who've curled up under their desks. Oh, I'm one of them. Because <laughs> you're hidden. Nobody knows. It looks like nobody's in your office or your cubicle or whatever it is. And because I think that that in this, we can't just go full on for eight hours or eight and a half or nine hours in a day when you put lunch in there and traveling to and from work and that, that, um, we do, we, we actually accomplish a lot if accomplishment is how we're measuring things by just taking, taking a little time out, even if it's just time to breathe, to, to ground, to put our feet. I remember the first time I did a meditation in a business group and I told everyone to take their, they were all sitting around a boardroom table and I said, just take your shoes off <laughs> and put your feet flat on the floor and put your hands in your lap and close your eyes. Well. It was like I had, I was, I was starting a revolution, <laughs> but they got used to it after, after a while and they began to um, appreciate it and yeah. look forward to it. And I, and I, I noticed that with kids too. Um, in, in the UK, they started doing, um, a me, starting the day with meditation for kids, mm. teaching them how to meditate. And they found that um, that a lot of the classroom problems started to go down. Yeah, it was true. It, uh, that pause enabled them to consider and to reflect, and it sort of allows for an emotional regulation. Yeah, and to reset. Yeah, and to reset. Yeah. And on that. Yeah. Well, before we sign off today, Luca, is there anything going on for you that you want to invite people into? Um, well, part of my uh, contribution during the, this coronavirus time is I'm running something called Ask Luke Alive for half an hour on Saturday afternoons from 1.30 until 2. Um, and all the information about that can be found through either through my website um, or through um, my presence on Facebook and Instagram. Um, so that's, that's free. 
and and I answer people's questions. So if they get me their question by noon on Saturday, um, Pacific time, then I will answer that question um, on Saturday afternoon. And what have you got going on? Uh, I'm cooking up a lot of things. I don't know that I'm really ready to share them on air yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm cooking. Not quite, it's not quite ready. <laughs> yeah. And in the, in, you know, in the light of everything that we've said today, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. Oh, 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 Happy, 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 boing, 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 bo